So I'm, I'm going to be speaking today, you know, some of y'all know through the years, me and Will do like a, a lot of songs before some of our messages sometimes. And me and Will had worked on a song all week and had it nailed down and Will texted me this morning and said, hey, I'm sick. I was like, ah, glory. So I showed up here and I was like, hey, y'all ever heard of this song? And I asked them, I said, you know, the song Sing Sing Harmony. And I was like, it was like 1992. She was like, I was born in 2002. So I was like, well, we're just gonna go with it since I've already planned it, it fits. So you have to bear with us, but uh, the words of this are really applicable today to what we're talking about. As I thought about that song, I, this morning, I want you to be honest. How many of you feel like that is your life right now? That you feel like you're in a hurry, that you're like a dog chasing its tail, trying to get things done, you're rushing and rushing from one place to another, you're living off a calendar from day to day, and this time be here, this time be there. I feel like that is so many of our lives. I'm in a hurry to get things done, or I rush and rush until life's no fun. 
And all I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Today, what I want to talk about is this. Life is short. And most of us live life in a hurry and fast-paced. But today, I hope that it would sink into our hearts that we would see and realize the brevity of our life. You know, as I was thinking today and preparing, there's, there's a few phrases as I grew up that my parents would say over and over to me. Uh, some of them, you've probably either been on the receiving end or you've gave them before. One of them was this. I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it, right? Over and over. I survived. They didn't take me out of it. But, um, but I, if you're raised in a Christian home, maybe you, you were, you were uh, quoted a lot of scripture. So I was quoted, uh, imagine me, it was scripture on a daily basis. So I would always hear, children obey your parents. Chad, do you want to have a long life? Over and over. You want to live a long life? Well, when I was a kid, I thought that I would live forever. But as I have grown up, I have realized that that's not true. You know, a few weeks ago, I went to my granny's house uh, for Easter. And all my family gets together and we celebrate Easter there at her house. And maybe in years past, uh, you know, as you're younger, you're in a hurry to get things done. And so you're just running a little bit of everywhere. But I kind of caught myself this year just wanting to cherish the time. To not be in a rush, to want to soak in all the moments I have with those I love. Because I don't know if it's going to be the last Easter that I spend with those that I love. And as I watch my kids, I really want time to slow down. Because it just seems like they are growing up so fast. And today I put this in your notes. Life is short. And then I put this, be present. Be present in the moment. Not just like be there at the dinner table, but be present at the dinner table. Not just like be in the living room, but actually be in the living room. Not just in, there in the conversation, but like actually paying attention to making eye contact and not being like 10,000 miles away. You know, I was thinking the other day, me and my wife, and we went out to eat one night recently. I don't even know if I said anything to them about it, but I, I was kind of being nosy and there was a couple beside us that was sitting, eating supper. And literally, after a while, I was like, they're not going to talk. And they sat on their phones, and I, it, they didn't talk until the ticket came, and then she's like, you're going to get that. But they literally the whole time just stared at these. We're not present. Life, church, is too short to not be present, to not be in the here, in the now, wherever you are. Instead, we waste our time, meaningless time, wrapped up in these many of the times. You know, no one just sits on a porch anymore. We run and we go all the time, but for what? Life is fleeting. And truthfully, we probably need to take heart the phrase that we need to take a moment and smell the roses. You know, one of my favorite pictures I have is one of me and my grandparent, great-grandparents' house that was beside my house. And it was just me sitting in the front yard with them in chairs. And I guess a lot of older generations would call it just like chewing the cud or whatever. But we would just sit there and just talk and spend time together. That world is gone. We run a thousand miles an hour everywhere we go. 
But my question is, what are we chasing? We need to slow down. <clears throat> we need to breathe. You know, I was thinking the other day, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, a few of my friends, we were talking after first service. Corey that um, leads when I'm preaching are, are gone today, and then Luke that plays guitar. We were talking after the first service, and we were talking my grandmother just passed away, my, my dad's mom, and both of them had just had a grandmother that passed away too within like the past month. And we were just talking about how, you know, they might have been older, but life was still short. That even though they might have lived 80-something years, our time with them was still way too short. And in my office, if you were to walk in my office today in the, up there in the corner, I have several pictures in my office of students that I've had in the youth group through the past years, of um, different opportunities that um, I've just spent and grown to know a lot of them. But anyways, I have a note in the corner of my office besides several pictures of students that I've had here in the past 20 years at Nineveh that have passed away. And I have this note written beside it. Make the most of every opportunity you have with them. Because I need a reminder that life is short and we are not promised tomorrow. And as I prepared today, I couldn't help but think of a few of those pictures, ones that have stuck out to me in the past, that have had a major impact on my life, that I don't forget about, and that it reminds me of the brevity of life. One of those is Seth Carnahan. He was 13 years old. It was the summer before his eighth grade year. I can remember where I was when I got the phone call. Me and my wife were, I think, dating, and we were in Richmond. We were at somebody's apartment. I remember where I was standing in the kitchen when we had received a call from Mike, and then Mike's here today and his family. And I remember going out to a back porch and getting that phone call and leaving Richmond, driving to the edge of the Elkhorn Creek kind of river and sitting with his family for days as they search for the body of his son in the river to eventually find him and we have the funeral. Life, church, is short. I think of the young daughter of Sean Bozeman, a student that I had in youth group, and he called me several years ago, asked me to do a funeral. And his daughter was 22 months old, almost two years old, and died. She drowned on an accident. Life is short. I remember that I had been at a week of camp all week. I always do summer camps in the summer. I do a middle school week in July. It always falls on my birthday. And so usually at the end of that week, since my birthday is that week, we go out to eat on that Friday or Saturday night after, after the week of camp. And so one of my favorite places to eat, probably because they bring you all you want to eat, is a place called Claudia Sanders in Shelbyville. Anybody ever ate there? And I love me some fried chicken. And so I was eating fried chicken. I remember the room we were sitting in. I remember the round table we were sitting at, the seat I was sitting in. When I got a call that one of the kids that was in youth had been in a four-wheeler accident and had died. Life, his name was Grant, life is short. I remember several years ago, a young man that was really close to my wife's family in Eastern Kentucky, his name was Aaron Stamper. He, he was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of 15. Ten months later, I helped sing at his funeral. He died at the age of 16, a kid with cancer. Life is short. I remember exactly where I was the day that I got the news that Eric Chrisman 
a young man that had been in the youth group and had went on to be a state trooper, had passed away in a car wreck while responding to a call. His dad was playing bass today, Randy Chrisman. We had the funeral here, and then of a hundred upon hundreds of police here. Life is too short. I remember exactly where I was walking down Corinth Road, the road that I live on, when I got the message that our formal dis former discipleship minister, Brian Perry, was diagnosed with cancer. And then I remember where I was exactly the night when we got the call that he, just months later, had went on to be with the Lord. Life is short. And lastly, I remember when I got the call that something was wrong with my granddaddy. I was really close to my granddaddy, and I remember rushing over to his house, it's just a mile away in my truck, flying up his driveway, running up there, and they're giving him CPR. And he breathed his last breath. Life is short. And the truth of the matter is today, it doesn't matter if you live two years or you live 90 years, church. Life is short. But church, what I want us to understand today is that life is short, but just life on this earth. Amen? Eternal life is forever. Something that is hard for us to comprehend. Our mortal, mortal minds have a hard time grasping the thought of forever. It's like me trying to explain to my kids the word infinity. I've tried to talk to Case about that lately, and it's just like, boom. It's like, Dad, I don't understand. I was like, I don't either. I don't know how to explain it to you. Just forever. Yet today, if we are honest, we focus more on the here and the now. So to help us understand today, we did this years ago in the basement. Most of y'all probably weren't here. I brought this rope. Randy's going to help me. This is the longest one they had at Walmart. <laughs> Probably work good on the boat later. But as he rows out this rope, I've put a red dot on it. Just picture that everything on this side is, of course, in the past, eternity past. But today what I really want us to pay attention to is this. This red dot represents our life. It represents the here and the now. It represents our energy, everything we pour into this life, and all of the rest of this white, and just imagine it goes on, even though it's really hard, just imagine this rope keeps going forever, represents our eternity. But so much we focus on this one little spot in light of all of this. You know, I'm not old by any means. But lately, my perspective has changed so much on how I view life. From seeing the loss and the brevity of it, church scripture tells us that we were created for eternity. We weren't just created for this dot, even though, yes, God has placed our life here, but He has placed eternity in our hearts. If you want to turn with me this morning on Ecclesiastes 3.11. He writes this, <clears throat> he has made everything beautiful in its time. This is in your notes. He has also set 
eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Church, life is short, like really short. The average life expectancy in America for males is 75 years old in 2020. For females, 80.5. Sorry, guys, she's going to outlive you just by a little probably. But I believe in America especially, we have lost perspective. God has created us for eternity, but the deceiver has a way of luring us into thinking that this little red dot is it. It's what it's all about. We pour everything into this. And he tempts us with earthly desires and he distracts us and he lures us in. And he just takes our focus and shifts it off of this. And we just, everything's on this. But we were created to live forever without sin. To dwell with God. That's what it was like in the garden. But we know what happened. It all started in the beginning. If you want to turn with me this morning to Genesis 2 starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will, this is in your notes too, certainly die. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. There was no death before this event. He had intended for us to live forever in his presence. But God told them, but just like here on earth, we always know best. We always know what's better. And their days will be short if they choose to eat the fruit. They will die. They won't live forever. Death will enter the world. Sin will enter the world. And let's read what happens in Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit in the tree, in the gar trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die. He's crafty, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You see, Satan is crafty. He's been doing this for thousands of years, causing people to trade the temporary to trade this little red dot for the eternal. And we are the we want it now culture. 
And he tells you, you, you won't really die. This world is it. Live for the here and now. Live for the American dream. Store up all those treasures. Fill that bank account. Have all that the world has to offer. Don't worry about eternity or heaven or hell. Worry about that later. Make things right with God later. You have time later in life. Just live for the here and the now. And we look at the world and how most live. And we soon realize that he is crafty and he has deceived most into trading. Pouring everything they have into this little red dot. Pretty much we could even say selling their soul for this red dot. But in exchange they're forfeiting everything that he has prepared for them. And we think that we are in control of our lives. We think that we have plans. You know, I, I believe sometimes that God sees us trying to make plans and he probably just laughs at us. And in James 4.13, he says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not know even, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? This is in your notes. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Church, we make plans. But let's be honest, we don't even know what tomorrow holds. Every one of us in this room are just one phone call away, one car wreck away, one diagnosis away from all of our plans changing. We really aren't in control of our lives. God's word says our life is a vapor and a mist. As quick as a mist disappears, so does our life. And I love verse 15. It says, instead... You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that, if it's God's will. And may His will be done. God's time, church, is not our time. He doesn't operate on Eastern Standard Time. He doesn't have a 24-hour day. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 8, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. In light of eternity, in light of time with the Lord, we are only here but a few moments. And yet we pour everything, everything into this. And we let the here and the now and everything that happens on this earth rob us of our joy. It's something that I have to remind myself of daily, to be kingdom-minded, to be heavenly-minded. Last week's sermon, he said that materialism just fills the world today. Satan lures us and distracts us by everything this world has to offer. But we need to realize that everything that this world offers is fleeting and temporary and short. And the psalmist writes in Psalms 30 verse 5, Weeping may stay for the night, but joy, but rejoicing comes in the morning. 
The psalmist wants us to understand that everything is temporary. That right now in your life, even though you might have some terrible circumstances, some awful things might have happened, you got some horrible news or your health is declining, whatever it might be, he wants us to understand that this is but momentary. And one day in the morning, everything will seem so small. In Psalms 90, starting in verse 12. This has been my prayer this past week as I've been preparing for this message. He says this, teach us to number, this is in your notes, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, as for many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. My prayer is that, that we, would look, we would learn to number our days. That God would teach me to see the brevity of my life. That it would truly sink in how short my time is here on earth in light of eternity. Lord, help me to make my days count. I want to live for what really matters. I don't want to live a life that is meaningless. I want a life that is well lived. And nobody wants to think or talk about death. That's morbid. But people are dying all around us. Last week he said, remember people were dying from dying. Every day. Whether it's sickness or cancer or accidents or it's just you've come to the point in your life where God has called you home. The writer of Psalms understood it is good for us to number our days, to see that we are not promised tomorrow. And so many think they will live forever. As a kid, you never think about it. And as adults, we put off and we ignore it. But we all have a last day on this earth unless the Lord returns. And this world is living for the here and now, but church, hear me out. There is a day of reckoning coming. And this morning, we need a bird's eye view. We need a view from above because we have tunnel vision. God, on the other, other hand, has this view. He sees the past, and he sees the present, and he sees the future. But all we seem to focus on is right now, the here and the now. Because of that, we tend to not want to look to the future or even prepare like we should. And it's not that we're not good at preparing, because we're really good at preparing for a lot of things in life if it really motivates us. If you really want to retire one day, you do all that you can to prepare so when that time comes, you can relax later in life. Or if you want to save up for that dream vacation or that vehicle or that house you've always wanted. But the wisest man that ever lived explains it best. Let's read Solomon's word, words in Ecclesiastes 1, starting in verse 1. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors? at which they toil under the sun. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back 
to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, that is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generation. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who followed them. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom and more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom. And also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. Meaningless. Everything that we end up worrying about. In the grand scheme of things, I want you to think about this morning all the situations in your life right now. I want you to think about what you spend all your time doing. All your time fretting about, worrying about, pouring your time and energy into. And one day, in eternity, one day in light of all eternity, will all those things that consume you right now matter? Most of them know. And it changes our perspective when we view it that way. Because most of us right now, we probably look like a dog chasing its tail. Now, there's an old hymn that I love to sing. We've sang it here numerous times. It's called Amazing Grace. And I love all the verses, but there's one verse that just always sticks out to me when I sing these words. In verse 4 of Amazing Grace, it says this. When we've been there, and then the writer writes this, 10,000 years. Bright shining as the sun, we've known less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Church, when you've been there 10,000 years, it's not even really the beginning of the beginning. It's going to be forever. We think, well, 10,000 years. And when you have been there 10,000 years, that bank account right now, that retirement you're worried about, that job, maybe your college decisions if you're younger. Whatever consumes your thoughts and minds and desires right now, in 10,000 years in his presence, church, it will all seem so small. And I'm not saying that any of this stuff is bad, but in light of eternity, in light of forever and ever and ever, 
everything is so small that we understand how the wisest man on the earth could come to the conclusion that it's meaningless, that it's like chasing after the wind. And if we could just look at a distance at this world we live in right now, it would not be hard for us to conclude that we are a world full of people chasing after the wind. In church, I want my days to count. And I want them to matter. I want my life to be so much more than just chasing after the wind. And I pray that the brevity of life sinks into our hearts and it will change how we live and what we live for. And since, hopefully today, we've come to the conclusion that life is short, how must we live? And in 2 Peter 3, I think he says this so beautifully. 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 8. He says this, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So he just says everything, everything that we would work to accumulate, everything that we would work to have, possessions, houses, cars, is going to be destroyed. And he says this in verse 11, since everything will be destroyed, since everything pretty much one day is going to be meaningless in light of eternity, what kind of people ought you to be, church? And he says this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look what? Forward, right? We're looking forward to the days of God and speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, again, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are, he wants this to really sink into our hearts. Since then, you are looking again, he says, forward to this. And this next part's in your notes. He says, make every effort, every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of, in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, he's warning us, be on your guard, church, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both glory now and forever. Amen. He says in verse 14, I want to say that again. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Since life is short, church, 
My question to you this morning is, are you making every effort right now to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God? Are you making every effort to be in His Word? Are you making every effort to be in prayer with Him? Because if we live for that church, we are not chasing after the wind. We're living holy, godly, pure, kingdom-minded lives. A life that prepares more for the next than this one. And one day everything that we have worked so hard to accumulate on this earth will be gone or somebody else will own it. And time will march on it. And we spend so much of our lives worrying about what everybody else thinks and keeping up with the Joneses. You know, I heard years ago someone say this, and I've never forgot it. Um, if we worry, so many times we think about what everybody else thinks, but I've heard it said, look at how quickly people forget the dead, and it will soon change how you worry about what others think. May today we only worry about what one thinks our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you realize that life is short and when that sinks into your heart, it will change you. It will change how you live and what you live for as you prepare for eternity. Why have everything when you will leave here with nothing? I'm sure you know the story of Job. Read it many a times at a graveside. And Job says this, naked I came into this world and naked I will return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job understood that you ain't going to take anything with you. And everything that we would work to accumulate on that last day will be meaningless. But today I have some things I want to take with me. I want to take my wife, Lauren. I want to take Case. I want to take Coke. I want to take Remington. I want to take those in my life, the things that really matter. Because here's the truth. We live full of a world of a lot of people that have everything. The world would say they have everything. And church, I'm here to say they have nothing. And they might look like they have the biggest bank accounts or the happiest life. But if they don't have one thing, they don't have nothing. So church, what are you chasing after? Are you chasing after the wind? What are you preparing for? Parents, what are you preparing your children for? He has entrusted them to you. What are you showing them is most important in life? Sports? Really? Meaningless one day. Money? Job, education, what do they see? What are they watching? Because actions speak a lot louder than words. Are you preparing them for eternity? Because that's what God has called you to do. In Matthew 6, 19, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves, church, treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
There your heart will be also. Church, what is your treasure? He better be your treasure. Because life is short. Store up your treasures where they matter. In Revelation 12, he writes, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. The enemy wants to steal your eternity. He wants to deceive you. He wants you to trade everything. To give it all up. Because he knows where, where he's going. And he wants to take you with him. But God's word says in James 4, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Church, resist the devil, submit yourselves to God. Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be if someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What good is it, church, to gain this red dot? To have everything this red dot can offer. But on that last day, you lose all that he has prepared for you. Don't spend your life living for what is short. He has placed eternity in your hearts. Live for his kingdom and his glory. You know, today as I was preparing, uh, there's a song that kept coming to my mind. Uh, it's not going to be for invitation. But I did decide I wanted to show a video of the song because I believe it's, it's got powerful words. Um, if you're watching online, your video is going to go blank because we don't have rights to show this online. So I'm letting the online audience know that this morning. But if you want to look this up at home, uh, this is Carrie Underwood and it's called Temporary Home. And I believe this morning this song will help give us perspective as we come to the end of our um, message. Turn your eyes to the screen this morning. This red dot that we see today on this rope is our temporary home. This is not where we belong. It's windows and rooms that we're passing through. This is just a stop on the way to where we're going. And today in this room, we don't have to be afraid. Because this morning, through the blessed hope of Jesus Christ, we know that this is not the end. It's just the beginning of the beginning of infinity of forever in his presence and one day if the Lord doesn't return we all in this room will breathe our last breath you know just two days ago I sat here and I was singing at a funeral Tina Gillis her husband was here first service cancer time just flew by last week really quick she breathed her last breath and way too young we're remembering the life of somebody life is short this morning a really close family friend of ours time is really short probably in the next few days they're going to be going to be with the lord church time is short and this world is not our home and today if this world has become your home then maybe you need to do some adjusting this morning, church, don't spend your whole life living for the here and the now. 
Stop storing up all of your treasures right here and right now. Paul says it perfectly. He says, it is all rubbish compared to the greatness of knowing Christ. Church, we will live forever somewhere. But church, this morning we believe God's word is true. And there's two options. Either you will spend eternity in his presence in a place that he has prepared for you that you cannot imagine or fathom how glorious it is and it'll never end. Or you will spend eternity cast out of his presence where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth separated from him in utter darkness. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, live for eternity. He has placed it in your hearts. Today I ask you as we close, what have you been living for? What does your children see that you've been living for, your grandchildren? Don't gain the whole world and lose everything else. Because life is short and we are not promised tomorrow. So I'll stand and sing.